you were listening to the Thursday catch-up episode of In Love With The Process. Actually, it's more like a Friday, maybe even a Saturday release, because your boy's been busy. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. This is my show. Hi, come on in, have a seat. What's happening? Come uh, take a seat. I'm actually recording this uh, quickly before... My guests for a future episode show up. I've got a few minutes, so I figured I'd come on here real quick and say hello. And uh, yes, you guys have all been asking. I just saw Oppenheimer. Finally saw Oppenheimer this week. Well, it was like like Wednesday we went, um, and uh, I did see it in the IMAX format, the seventy-two millimeter full frame. IMAX format, and uh, we went to the uh, TLC Chinese Theater over in Hollywood. That was the first time that I've been to that theater, and what a what a gorgeous spot! What a really cool theater, visually, right? There's something exciting about it. You have to step over the stars. You got to step over the handprints of all the actors and folks that are there, and then you sort of go into this old school, uh, very sort of Chinese themed interior theater. It's huge. It's big. Um, and, uh, it's great. Uh, it's, there's so much history in that theater. Uh, so I was just excited that we got in, uh, somehow Gina found tickets. We ended up going at like two on a Wednesday, uh, and she found some seats, tickets. It was me, her, uh, Tran, Mike went, and then, uh, Ian and, uh, Mitch went and, uh, we all went in perfect seats, great placement. Uh, and watched, finally saw it. It was crazy. Two in the afternoon on a fucking Wednesday, and it was sold out. Like, And it's incredibly hard to get tickets for the, for the full format experience out here in Los Angeles because there are a lot of movie nerds out here, and uh, everything sold out. The theater I wanted to go to was Universal Skywalk because of the, uh, the Chinese theater, as cool as it is inside, the sound in there is outdated and the sound mm, is not as good. And especially with how Nolan mixes his dialogue, like they were really, I think it was like, it was just speakers behind the main screen and they were really getting hit hard. There were, there were moments where I had to lean forward to try to figure out what was said in sequences. So uh, it didn't ruin the experience for me because it's a fucking amazing movie. It is an amazing movie. And uh, let me just put it this way. The whole Barbenheimer thing that's been going around, that was Warner Brothers attaching themselves to this amazing movie. Like, by far, if I had to judge the two films, they're completely separate movies. I think that's why it's ironic, you know, when you see those graphics. Um, They're completely separate movies. And I think Greta, as you heard on an episode that I talked about Barbie, I think she did a killer job uh, creating a movie for a toy franchise. And she inserted so much art into that and uh, so much uh, really interesting feminism into that piece. She really made the most of that and she crushed it. Um, I think Oppenheimer is a better movie by far. And I think it's a better movie because uh, Christopher Nolan has just been doing it longer. Uh, He's a director that has been around longer. He's been experimenting longer with technique and it fucking shows uh, he has the gravitas. He has the ability to pull in uh, amazing actors. And well, holy crap, they they really don't talk about it. I'm not going to spoil anything for those of you still waiting 
to watch the movie, but the cast, <laughs> the cast for Oppenheimer, it was like every scene and it would normally just be, um, an act like a, like a bit part. And he is able to fill these bit parts with some of the best actors ever in this movie. It's like, if you go to the Avengers to see, um, like the lineup of stars, <laughs> you're going to love this movie. And th- it was funny because I felt like as an older dude, um, I was seeing people more than other folks were. But let me say the the person that I really, really was drawn to in this film, the actor that I was drawn to. Um, and of course, like Cillian Murphy crushes, crushes Oppenheimer in that part. Um, but Josh Hartnett is in it. And he is great. And as he gets older, he is great. Great. He has the ability, and a lot of the actors in these movies do, he has the ability to change his physical appearance. He has the ability to do like a very simple thing, like put his hands on his hips and 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 just sort of shift on his feet. And you're like, this guy has been working in labs and shops his whole life. That's, That's how someone stands when they're in a lab and a shop. Really fucking great, man. I mean, and like, of course, Matt Damon crushes, you know, he crushes all the time. The Samantha Boston boy cameos that happen in this movie uh, that are great. Um, And I'm trying to think, Robert Downey Jr., I saw an interview where uh, uh, he was talking about how Nolan told him that he needs to not use any of the tricks in his toolbox for this role. Like, he can't be charming. He can't do anything that has made your career. You have to go in a completely different direction, and he does. He'll be nominated. Are they allowed to be nominated? What was that thing that came out with the Oscars where, like, there are too many white people in this movie for it to be nominated this year? I don't know. It should be nominated because it is the best movie. The best movie. And it's, it's, it's because of time. Time. Time practicing, time practicing the craft. And it's also because of the influence that Christopher Nolan has over the industry. The influence that he has, the ability that he had to take Batman and make Batman into a film. Make it, transform it from like, there are nipples on the suit, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in a neon fucking outfit blasting like CG snow everywhere, to making it into a film. Like a film. And, and then he was smart enough to know that he can make deals with the studios and say, I'm going to give one to you, you give one to me. So in between each one of these Batman movies, and I'll sign on to do three of them, you're going to give me one of my films. He makes movies like Inception. He makes movies like the space movie that he did, which I always forget. It's right on the tip of my tongue. And I know you're at home and you know exactly what it is. It's right there. I could see the, it's right there. You guys know what I'm talking about. So he makes these movies in between further practicing his skill and practicing his skill on such a huge level as far as budgets are concerned. You know, love or hate Tenant. I love Tenant. I think it's a great movie. I like what he did with time in that movie and reversal and all sorts of tricks and techniques. And when you go watch Oppenheimer, what is so great about it is that it's it's a, a big it's a big blockbuster drama. It's not even a fucking action movie. Sure, there are some sequences that are really cool and action-oriented sequences, but it's just people talking to each other. 
I mean, anybody else that did this movie, anybody else that pitched this movie, they'd go, oh, this should be on, uh, on HBO. This should be on a streaming service. This, 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 is a bio, this is a biopic, a walk and talk biopic. Who cares about that? Put it on a streamer. Can you stretch this out into like 12 episodes? Right? Anybody else would have got that. But the reason why Oppenheimer is as big as it is because even the people that finance these movies want to see what Christopher Nolan does next. That's how good he is. It's the same thing with David Fincher. It's the same thing with these big directors, Ridley Scott, Martin Scorsese. I'm pumped about his new movie. I saw the trailer for that. These are big directors that have what makes them special. What makes them good is time. Time. Spending that time and learning that craft. Just they have more years in on this stuff. So it's a very special movie to see. Uh, if you could see it in the fullest frame format possible, I highly suggest you do. I can only imagine what it looks like cropped for the rest of the movie theaters out there. It's crazy. And there's a big piece of me that's like, will I ever see it in this format again? Is he going to do the Zack Snyder thing and make it square? But that, how's that going to work? You know, I highly suggest it. And as we're talking about stuff, it was great. I went and I saw it with uh, Mike Tran, who did the sound on 12 Cam. So he was the lead sound guy, the scoring guy for 12 Cam. He's also done work on um, my my latest one, Come Home, and it's great. He worked on that as well, did all the sound design for that. And the mix. And I like going to see movies with, with, with sound dudes, especially this one, because what makes this movie so fucking special, what makes this movie so cinematic isn't the fact that he shot all the, the bomb stuff practically. It isn't the fact that he shot it on IMAX. It's the fucking sound and the music. The music on this movie makes it amazing. Makes the simplest scene, the simplest scene between two people, feel like it's an action sequence, feel like it's something important. You, like, you know that Nolan has been studying and you've heard it through Inception. You've heard it through Tenant. You've heard him sort of creating scores that constantly, there's a name for it. It's not Fibonacci or there's a name for it where like you're constantly building and building and building and building and building and it never stops. Forget what they call that. I got to, I got to dig that up. I saw a really good uh, film essay on that, but uh, he, he's studying time. He's studying story structure with time like this movie spoiler alert it's all out of sequence and he does it in such a masterful way he does it where he confuses you intentionally with it so to, to really make the reveal that happens at the end of the movie exciting to sit through and here's what's crazy man you would think in a movie like this the the high point of the film would be when the bomb goes off the bomb goes off and there's still 30 minutes, 40 minutes after that, that are riveting, riveting. There are moments with just people sitting across from each other that are more powerful than the bomb going off. And yes, it's the performances and the writing. Yes, it is. But it's also the fucking sound design. Mike and I were talking afterwards about how he uses these sound effects in transitions and how those sound effects echo into the next scene. And they don't make any sense 
other than the fact that it's the residual, it's the it's the the echoes, it's the lasting power of the emotion that you ended the last scene with. Really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. And if you've seen the trailers, and if if you haven't seen the movie yet, I'm going to reference the trailers. There's this driving force in the trailer. There's this is driving like chong 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 chong, which is really cool. And I always assumed that it was like, oh, this must be a train like a steam engine that is bringing maybe supplies into the town that they're building for the bomb. Maybe that's what that is. So cool how he reveals what that noise is. And that sound is so important. That sound is so important. And when then you finally get to the scene where you understand what that, that, that sound was, that I thought was a train, and you understand the power that that sound has over the sequence. Really cool, really trippy sequence that Oppenheimer goes through in that scene where that sound is revealed. I can't wait to watch the movie a second time because now I know that that sound is foreshadowing not an object, but an emotion. Cool. Very cool. This is a master working with every ounce of understanding of, of music, of sound effects, of visuals, of audience reactions, of perspective, every bit, performance and guidance of performance, it's all there, man. And, and big shout out, because I know we give way too much credit just to the director, his entire team. And these are people that have been working with him for a long time, this team of folks that are at the top of their game. And what you witness when you go to see Oppenheimer, we all know what an atomic bomb looks like, right? I think one of the most ex epic explosions in cinema was in Terminator 2. We all get it. We know what it does. This movie is less interested in that. It's, it's so interesting. And when the bomb finally goes off, how he does it is worth a watch. I think it's really great. I really do. Um, and here, before I walk out of this, the other thing I found fascinating about it is, is like you, you can hear when he designs his audio, you can hear he has this skill of creating a music note or shrill that just cuts you. It just cuts right through everything. Did you notice when you watched it? So cool, man. Great movie. Great time for movies, the fact that this came out. It's a great time for theaters and for cinema that people are selling this movie out continuously. Um, and I think it's great that there have been this competition created, even if it's done in a scumbaggy kind of way between the studios with Barbie and that movie. And I think Barbie's a great movie, man. I think it's a great movie. Um, I think that Oppenheimer is a, is a master class in cinema. 100%. And I'm pumped about the new Scorsese because it's looking fucking good too. That one's looking really great. And I, I mean, I've been hunting around. I hear that Fincher's got a new one coming out, The Killer, which is based on a comic book, which Lance gave me. And I have not read yet, Lance. I know you're listening to the show. I need, I, I think I, I think I made it through like 10 pages or something. Um, I have to read that. I keep thinking I see stills for that online. There's some interesting stuff going on. 
seasoned directors that are doing some really great stuff. I'm also excited about The Creator, which is coming out. And that was directed by, um, oh my God, his name's going to come to me. He did the first Godzilla. He also did Rogue One, Gareth Edwards. And did a movie called Monsters. A younger director, but a guy who seems uh, to be uh, really hyper-focused on making larger movies. And what's great about the creator, is I think it's an original idea. I don't think it's based on any IP, even though it looks like it's a comic book. I think it's I think it's original content, which is very cool. And I saw, I, I know for a fact it is, because I saw him talk on a panel promoting the movie, and someone asked, um, you know, do you think this will start a trend? Do you think this will start a trend with Hollywood making original content again? And he answered it, uh, in the simplest way, which is Hollywood only does what they think will make them money. So if you want more original content like Oppenheimer, like the creator that's coming out, if you want uh, filmmaker-driven content, filmmaker-driven content, not IPs, but filmmaker-driven content, you need to go and sell out these movies. You need to support these movies. And when you talk about them and when you when you promote them, you you talk about the filmmaker. You talk about the craft. You talk about that stuff. And if average Joe citizen starts to do that more, and we really care about the art, we really give a shit about who's making these movies, then they'll finance them. I mean, Hollywood's so simple. They're trend chasers. That's all they do. Oh, when was the last one that was very successful? You know what I mean? Now everybody'd be like, "Is there another Oppenheimer? Can we make one?" <laughs> when the reality of it is, you're financing Christopher Nolan, and I love it's him and Tarantino right now that are the names that equal money. I think Scorsese, to a certain point, to a certain extent, you know. But I hate to say it this way: he's an older gentleman. He's he's not going to be around for a long time. You know, same thing with um, Ridley Scott, man. I'm, I'm pumped about his uh, uh, Napoleon movie that's coming out. I saw the trailer for that. He's not going to be around for a long time. You know, I mean, these guys got money, so they grind up cash and inject it into their veins and they stick around a little bit longer. But, you know, Ridley was like a cigar-smoking son of a bitch. <laughs> so what's going to happen with that guy, you know? All of these legends, they disappear, and then what happens? Who are these other legends that we're building up right now? I think it's... Uh, great that uh, we're getting the director of Barbie and hopefully they put her on. I want to see her next film be original IP. I really do hope it is. I hope she comes out and does something cool and, and, and great. You know, and then we celebrate her for her and for her work and not just the IP because, you know, Barbie is still an IP. You know what I mean? So anyway, I wanted to talk about that stuff. You guys have been asking me, did I see Oppenheimer? I loved it. I think it's great. Uh, I could do a whole breakdown of that entire film. There's so many great uh, sequences in it. There's so much great stuff to see in it. It's just gorgeous to look at. Uh, the large formats, very short of shallow focus, uh, close-ups and the epic scale and scope of the desert. It's all there, dude. And, it, and if you can get there, I said it before, I'll say it to you again. If you can find your way to see it in IMAX, see 70 millimeter, uh, if you go to see that movie that way, I, that'll be, probably be the only time you see it like that. And it's worth it. It really is because he's shooting a lot of close-ups with that IMAX stuff and it's got to be super cropped. 
when it's on any other screen and you're missing like the sky, you're missing all sorts of stuff. So I think it's worth it. Great movie. Great time for Hollywood. I'm very excited. You, one would not even notice the fact that, uh, you know, those executives are still shitting all over us and uh, we're still in fucking strike mode. It's crazy. It's crazy. The stuff that's going on. Um, and uh, what was that? I, I got to do just a little bit of research here before I go. Hold on a second. Uh, hold on a sec. Do, 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 do. Uh, representing. I just want to get this right. Stand by, everybody. Take a moment. Take a moment. Take a moment. Take a moment. Because uh, the strike is still happening, which is pretty crazy. And SAG is in there now, as we all know. I drove by the studios this morning. Here we go. Here's what I wanted. I drove by the studios this morning, and I saw everybody still out there. It was a Friday today, so they were out there pretty heavy duty outside of Warner Brothers today. Okay, so here's something that I learned by listening to someone else's show, and I did not know this. So when SAG sits down to negotiate with the studios, when the Writers Guild sits down to negotiate with the studios, I don't know if you know this or not, but they're not actually talking to the studio, right? It's not like, you know, Iger or anybody else is sort of sitting at the other end of the table going, tell us your problems, you know, or like, we don't agree. Um, there is this thing called the AMPTP. Now, when I first heard of it, I just assumed that it was like a group created of people that worked for the different studios that went in and, and negotiated for them. But it's a third-party company. Think about that. It's a company that showed up and said, hey, if you hire us collectively, all the studios, if you hire us, so they're making money, if, the, if you hire us to do this, we guarantee that you'll get what you want. So when they sit down across the table in these negotiations, they don't even have the power or the authority to grant anything. So when you hear about these negotiations happening and nothing comes out of it, it's because they don't have the power to do any of it. They're literally hired to be a gatekeeper between the studios that they're trying to negotiate with and the people that have the issue. Scumbag. Scumbag business shit. These guys are just making cash on it. So, it's just scummy. It just continues to feel that way. And I want to work in this business, you know? I, I want to be able to make movies. And you have heard notoriously, since Hollywood began, how crooked and corrupt and how slimy and sleazy this business can be. And we went through a whole period of time of cancel culture, right? And Harvey Weinstein and what a, a degenerate and what a fucking asshole that guy was, right? But beyond that, does it have to, like, why does it have to get to a point when we've allowed a monster to, to literally become a monster for us to go, Oof, he's too much, tear it down, right? Why is that the point? What about the way they run the business? 
What about the way they, they do the business? What about the lack of respect, the lack of caring that these folks have for the people that actually move things, lift stands, and put things out and do stuff? Do you, I, don't, I don't think you realize, and it, there's a lot of producers that listen to the show. When's the last time, and I'm not saying that you're a scumbag producer, but I'm just going to put this question out there. When's the last time that you had to do all the stuff beneath you in order to do your job? When's the last time you had to go pick up the chairs and the tables? You had to go rent the van. You had to put that shit together. Then you had to swing by Staples and print out every call sheet, everything. And then through the process of like making your way through Trader Joe's to get the craft service table, you also had to be on the phone at the same time with the transportation that is bringing the actor in because the actor's stuck at a train station and there's no one there to pick them up. When have you done all those tasks? It's impossible to do so. It is. And you know why I know this? Because I'm an independent film producer. And we do 70% more than you guys do. We get paid nothing for it, but we do all of that. We do a majority of that. And in a place where on most of these movies, you have a PA department, which is non-union, by the way. You guys shit all over those fucking people. You've got a PA department of what? How many? 15, 20, 25, 35 fucking people that are doing all those tasks for you, that are running around and making sure things happen, blocking off streets and doing all that stuff. Those fuckers aren't unionized. Those poor bastards, they're completely taken advantage of. And that's unspoken right now. No one's really talking about that. They work harder than anybody else. Here's, here, here, here's what I, Bob Iger, I challenge you to make a movie on your own. On your own, make a short film over the weekend. Put it all together. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. And I'm not saying that you got to direct it, but maybe this is your chance to do so. Maybe you've always seen yourself as a storyteller. You've got the money. I mean, we all know what your salary is. So do it. Make one. I don't know. Make one for six grand. Make one for six grand. That's fucking chump change. I think that's money that falls out of your pocket when you're underpaying the guy that's parking your car. So make one for six grand and do all of that. Put it all together. Book the crew, get the people in place, go get those craft services, go get the chairs, go pick up the gear, go return the gear, go do all of those tasks as an exercise. And see, I dare say, See if you can still, and I, I, I'm only using Iger's name because he's the first name that comes to mind. A lot of these guys are nameless. Any of these executives that refuse, refuse to talk, and they have hired this third-party company to be in between them and the people that make on the movie, you go make a film. Go start a project, you know? And, and then I dare say that you're going to have a different perspective at the back end of this. A different understanding when you're stand when you're standing in fucking Target with three with three shopping carts that you're trying to return and get the money back on, <laughs> right, right. When you're when you go to the 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 gear rental return place, right, and the guy's like, "Well, we got to check everything in," and they're like, uh, "Where is the uh, the pin for the for the uh, C clamp?" And you're like, "What the fuck is a C? What you know?" be different. I'm not saying your job is easy, man. I'd love an opportunity to see your job. Let's trade places. I'll do your job for a week. 
and I'll have some empathy for what it is that you're going through. And maybe if I go do your job, it'll seem more like it's worthy of, you know, 300,000 a year or whatever that is, you know, maybe it'll be better. Maybe I'll understand it more. You know, trading places. Let's do it. I don't know. Dangerous. Uh, that's it. Well, uh, I'm going to let you guys go because I got to get ready for another podcast. <laughs> uh, go see Oppenheimer if you haven't seen it yet. I love it. It's a great movie. Uh, thank you, everybody, for supporting me, as always, with 12 Cam. And uh, I've been trying to get to as many of the DMs as possible. If you're just tuning into the show right now, uh, I'll, I'll hook you up. The link for the movie is in my Instagram bio, and the password to watch the film is 12KM3. So it's 12, capital K, capital M, 3. That is 12KM3, 12, capital K, capital M, capital 3. And that'll get you access to watch the movie that thousands and thousands of people every day have been begging me to watch. And I'm trying to get to everybody's DMs. Uh, I love your three favorite horror movies. And just because you haven't heard from me doesn't mean that I don't like your films. Come on, man. You know, have a bit more confidence in your stuff, man. It's not that I don't like your films. It's just that it's fucking impossible for me to get to all these DMs. So, like I said, if you want to watch the movie now, password is in my Instagram bio. You'll see it. And the password for it is 12cam3, capital K, capital M. All right? That's it. I'm going to let you guys go. I got guests on the way. Bye-bye. Thank you.